0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the M&A Mastermind Podcast, your go-to source for the latest industry trends and strategies to help you level up your M&A practice. I am your host, Nick Olson, Managing Director of Cornerstone International Alliance. Uh, here we bring in masterminds who are experienced, knowledgeable, and gracious enough to share how they have succeeded in the world of M&A. I'm really excited about today's guest. Um, She hails all the way from Prince Edward Island in uh, Atlantic Canada. Um, She started her career as a chartered professional accountant with a focus on business valuations. Um, She has since transitioned to mergers and acquisitions and is a partner with Confederation M&A in Prince Edward Island Canada, which is also a member of Cornerstone International Alliance. Her father started his own crane service business, which is still run by the family today. I hear that she spends a lot of time in an ice rink watching her son play a lot of hockey um, and then also puts in a lot of time at work. Uh, Please welcome my guest today, Trisha Mossy. Trisha, welcome.
1: Thanks, Nick. You did a little bit of digging there, I guess, on me.
0: (laughs) I did. I did. I got a little help from one of your partners who shall not be named.
1: No, that's funny. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs)
0: Great. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to have you on here uh, today. And so let's dive in. Um, today we're going to talk about, you know, you guys are based in Canada um, and you've been a partner of Cornerstones for two to three years, kind of in that range. Um, you know, time flies when you're having a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you know there's some differences, right? From Canadian m and to the U.S. to Europe, Europe and, you know, other places in the world. And so really what I want to draw you know, on today is, you know, what what does the M&A landscape look like in, in Canada? And like what should our listeners know about doing deals or how you guys do deals in Canada? You know, I imagine there's a lot of U.S. listeners here that, you know, might be looking at buyers in Canada, or maybe they have a buy side that's looking to get into the Canadian market that, you know, someone's looking to sell that maybe, you know, someone like you guys would have a, as a client. And so, you know, my objective today is just to help everyone understand and kind of lay the land of what, what mergers and acquisitions looks like in Canada. Um, and just, uh, and hopefully, and you know, talk about that and, and you know, kind of have those aha moments with our listeners like, oh, maybe maybe I should be looking for buyers in Canada or vice versa. And, you know, because I think there's a lot of good opportunities. And I know we we'll hit on that, in a, you know, in a minute, but I think there's a lot of great things happening, you know, by you guys. So. First and foremost, um, tell us about Confederation M&A. Um, let us know all the details.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh and a or Confederation MA, and um, we kind of spun out of a local accounting firm here in Prince Edward Island. And for, um, for anybody that may not know about Prince Edward Island, PEI for short, um, we're a small island in Atlantic Canada. We're the smallest province in Canada. And um, so there's a, an accounting firm here in the capital city called Charlottetown that um, kind of saw, I think, what was going on in other parts of the world and, and also in their own community where M&A firms from other areas were coming in and doing deals here. And they kind of thought, geez, I think we should be playing in this realm a little bit and, and launching kind of a division of their firm um, to help their clients was kind of their idea. And uh, that was. Around 2008, 2009, and uh what's kind of spun out of a little idea out of a boardroom, I think, has turned into a company with about eight advisors, and we're now across PEI, which we kind of consider our our main hub, but we have offices as well in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and most recently in Ottawa and Ontario. So um, it's really grown over the years, and it's interesting. I've been with the firm. I've been with Confed M&A. Uh, I started in 2013, so I'm, I'm into my 10th year now. And, um, it's, it's incredible the growth we've seen from DL size to the staff. Um, and, uh, just how the business has evolved from us kind of chasing business into the door to a lot of referral based business. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really fun journey and, and we see. Uh, the Canadian market, I know we'll get into it a little bit here, but we see a lot of growth potential, and uh, I don't see the growth stopping anywhere here soon. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, kind of take us back to 2023, because I want to I wanna talk mostly about, you know, current state and future state. But, you know, overall, not only for your own firm, but for the Canadian market in general, like high level, what was what was 2023 like?
1: Yeah, um, for us, it was busy. It was our biggest year. As far as deal volume, we closed 17 deals in 2023. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, very exciting year for Confed M&A. And we are now a, kind of a full year into our Ottawa office, which is also exciting. Um, and I think the Canadian market as a whole is just, it's, it's a busy market. There's a lot of deals at play and it's a little bit maybe counter to what we're hearing from uh, you know industry reports and even some other cornerstone firms at our last conference are saying that things may have a little bit slowed down um, from 2023 into 20.
0: 20- yeah I would echo that because I was in that conference with you and uh, we had talked about a lot of deals being pushed back you know from end of 23 into 2024 the first part of the year and 17 deals wow that's a that's a that's a great year and I would say I would venture to guess you know, probably close to the top of, you know, our, 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 all of our firms in CIA. Um, So we'll find out as um, Mm -hmm. we're all kind of tabulating our end of year results right now. And, but 17 is a big number. So congratulations on that. And so, um, you know, shifting into 2024, I guess, you know, what does the first quarter look like uh, from your perspective, as far as deal flow goes? Yeah, it's, it's,
1: Good. Um, we've got a couple in line here to close in the next couple of weeks and, uh, our pipeline of deals kind of, you know, getting to the market, um, e- either in due diligence or getting to the market or kind of that early stage, which we call kind of the estimate of value or pricing stage, it's been busy. And, um, you know, there's just, I think we're, we're ripe for a lot of transition in Canada. And, um, And we're really seeing that where people are starting to explore what's the value of my company. Am I at a position where I can retire? Is it going to give me enough money to retire? Or um, maybe I've been in this business for so many years and I'm looking to make a change and I'd like to evaluate where that would leave me. And would I have enough money to get into my next venture or do something totally different? It's, It's just been, it's been a very interesting, um, ride here in Canada lately, and just some stats on it. Um, There was a a report done, I think it was early 2023, and they're saying that 75 to 80% of Canadian small businesses will be looking to change hands in the next 10 years. Um, And only, I think it was 10%, maybe even less than 10%, have an actual succession plan in place. So there's a lot of change going to happen in Canada. There's a lot of small businesses. A huge portion of our economy is made up in small business. And that fits well into our firm size where we're dealing with the lower to mid-market. So uh, we're expecting, uh, I I would say, all M&A firms and advisors across Canada will be very busy over the next 10
0: years. Why do you think that is, that a lot of these current business owners in the next ten years are looking to exit, like what's going on there that's um causing them to to look to sell their companies. It's the mass
1: age of baby boomers. It's mm-hmm. that age range that they all have businesses and, you know, they've there's there's just so many small businesses. I think the stat in Canada is of businesses that employ Canadians, ninety eight percent I think it is are considered small business, which is like 1 to 99 employees. So it's significant. And uh, what's going to be very important for a lot of those business owners is to look at their succession planning, you know, probably even a couple of years out of when they're planning to hopefully sell their business. And um, if you see that ninety-some don't have a plan in place, then that's a little bit of a scary situation. So we're working to educate and, you know, get lots of information out there. Um, to business owners on ways that they can prep themselves, ways they can increase the value of the company and hopefully make it more saleable. So uh, that's where we kind of see our part in, in this and trying to help people make their business more saleable.
0: Yeah, I was gonna kind of hit on it. I was gonna say, what are you guys doing? Maybe dive a little deeper there, uh, Trisha. What are you guys doing to educate and help these business owners be ready for when they, when they want to exit, because it sounds like a, you know, I think you said 10% of businesses right now have an exit plan, which in turn means 90% of them do not. And as we all know, you know, when someone, when a bit, you know, the thing we, we try to avoid as a business owner wants to exit now, and maybe you do evaluation and, and, you know, they're not ready now. And you have to have that that dreaded conversation of, you know, well, you need another year or two uh, to get your business to where you want it to be, to make it, you know, saleable to what you want to get out of it. I guess, what are you guys doing, you know, to to educate and, and help those business owners understand that?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great point. And to give an example in a business I sold, uh, the, our firm sold in 2023, uh, the owners of that business actually approached me probably two or three years ago. And I had done a valuation for their company and uh or an estimate of value pricing analysis for their company and and what they found in that is okay here's a few things we can tweak in our business to actually make it more in the price range where we would be happy to sell and uh they, they did that so we talked through a few areas that uh you know here's what buyers are kind of looking for they want a management team in place for example and um so they want to see less owner involvement or less reliance on the owners themselves so that there's a team in place that can take care of things if you're not part of the business and so they implemented some of these things and that's that's just one area but that's an example um where their business you know increased in value they they drove sales they did all those things and um, to help their business increase in value and and ultimately we we found a, a great buyer for their company so those are things we like to see, you know, some people may not want to give an M&A firm a call um, if they're not ready to sell, but it can actually be very educational and it may even help somebody get the best price for their business, you know, two, three, five years out if they make that approach early on.
0: You know, here's a question, just kind of, um, if you as an MA advisor, you're obviously, you know, looking to sell you know, your client's company for you or for, you are for them, I should say. Um, but as an MA advisor, you know, what is, what is your pitch to clients that, you know, aren't ready to sell and, you know, helping them understand, you know, what they need to do um, and then how can, how you can work with them? Because a lot of times, you know, it's really hard uh, to find, you know, business owners ready to sell businesses ready to sell and we're here and we're going to sell this thing right now. That's very, very odd, you know, probably, you know, the exception to the norm, right? You know, so what what is your, what is your pitch to business owners? I mean, I should say what is your advice to advisors on how they can talk to these business owners, you know, when they're not necessarily ready to sell?
1: I'd say here, we've always taken kind of a, a little bit of a non-pushy approach with it because you um, you know, when a business owner decides to sell, they'll they'll be ready to sell when when they want to. And we're happy to speak to a business owner early in the process and develop that relationship because you really need to, as a business owner, you really need to trust the person that you're going to help, is going to help you sell your business. So we're happy to kind of keep in touch um, throughout a couple of years and talk to them about their business. And that example I just gave we updated their kind of pricing or estimate of value a couple times throughout those couple of years just to kind of give them a better idea of where things stand. So it's, it's things to help them make the decision process because you, as, as an advisor, you don't want to get down the road and find a buyer and then have the seller say, oh, I'm not interested in selling now. You want to make sure that they're ready. So uh, there's there's no reason why we would rush somebody to market. Um and the flip side to that is also true that sometimes you'll see businesses that the owner has waited too long um and maybe they've taken the foot off the gas a little bit they're getting tired they're not really working on their business and you might see sales start to kind of come down and profits start to come down and that that's a really tough place to be to sell your business so you kind of want to hit that peak point um where you see sales are moving up, profits going in the right direction. And uh, that'd be the optimal place to be when you're trying to sell your company. But I really feel like you can't push somebody across that line. They really have to be there and you have to develop that trust with them uh, that you know, you're, you're working on their behalf for their best interest. And that's really what we try to do
0: here. And when, when there's a business owner not ready to sell now or you know, whether it's them or the business isn't ready to be sold, Um, what kind of cadence do you guys follow to keep in touch with them to keep them updated kind of to make sure they're they're on track to to meet where they need to be when they want to be there
1: yeah sure i think it's just little touch points with them you know i'll check in with um, somebody i can think of a situation where there was a couple changes happening in their um, in their business some key personnel changes that they really needed to get um, back on track before they were ready to hit the market so I touch base with this business owner probably every couple of weeks or every month um, just to see how they're doing we're not that far out for going to market if it was somebody that was a couple of years out it probably wouldn't be that often but we uh, we know we're going to be hitting the market soon as they get their their staff situation kind of where they want it to be and uh you know so every you know two weeks three weeks i'll just keep in touch through an email or a phone call just to make sure they know we're uh we're thinking of them and if if they need any help along the way that we're here for that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Um and so our you talked about companies in you know a couple of years away, but right now or in the last year and looking forward, um, you know, are companies being sold and, you know, are they being sold for, you know, for good multiples, multiples that business owners are kind of accepting right now, or is it, you know, Kind of under what what business, you know what you're seeing as far as value goes.
1: Yeah, great question. And and I think, as everyone probably hates to hear this answer, is it would be it depends. But in a in a lot of cases, yes, we've seen some really strong multiples in in business transactions. And what I would say we've seen a little bit of is maybe um, we may have seen a slight slight change from say two, three years ago in that multiple um, for certain industries where it's coming down a little bit, it's particularly um, with interest rates being up a little bit. So uh, there's obviously a portion of cash flow that's gonna be going to interest a, a more significant portion of it than there used to be on kind of at 2 or 3% interest rates. Um, but I would say the multiples are still strong. We haven't really seen anything that's been um, that's been completely downsided by the market. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So what about, so you mentioned interest rates and all that. What is the lending environment like right now in Canada? Is it obviously with interest rates that's impacted?
1: Yep. Um, It's still good. It's still good. Uh, I think it may have slowed a little bit. There's probably some stronger due diligence being done. Um, on all, by all parties, be it the buyer, um, the banking, legal, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's still, it's still strong. We haven't, uh, we haven't experienced, you know, significant issues on the financing end. All
0: right. So are you saying are, are deals being, um, you know, taking longer because of the current lending state or is it not affecting it that much?
1: I, I could say yes uh, some of the deals for sure have taken longer um just because maybe there's more last minute due diligence items popping up by the banks or their risk departments and that sort of thing but um i don't think we've been in a situation where we've kind of got that far down the road and something has not transacted it's just they're doing a little bit more checks and balances
0: right right and then what about the um the canadian economy anything to note of there that's maybe impacting business sales or, you know, affecting deals right now?
1: Yeah. Um, Great question again. I I would say the biggest thing is probably just on the interest rates and making sure that cash flows can support um, the higher interest. I don't think there's any um, other issues. I I guess one maybe bigger challenge here is um, challenge opportunity. I guess you can look at a particular business um, for example, if you look at the real estate market and certain, uh, residential units, you might see some challenges in, in that area, but, um, otherwise I would say interest rates is probably a bigger piece
0: of it. What are some, some hot industries right now that you're seeing? What are, you know, the ones that as an MA advisor, you're like, Hey, I want to look for clients in that industry because you know, businesses are selling.
1: Sure. Um. Right now we are seeing a lot in the construction world and that probably piggybacks on my last comment about the housing uh, boom and uh, we just have a real housing shortage, Um, particularly where we are in Atlanta, Canada, but I think that that trails pretty well across the nation. Um, So yeah, we're seeing a lot in construction and we're seeing quite a bit in facility services as well uh healthcare is a big one so it's it's kind of across the board but uh it kind of mirrors too what we're seeing from the sell side we've had quite a bit in in those industries so uh it, it's good and there seems to be some good activity going on
0: mm-hmm. um well let's go on the flip side of that any industries that are not doing so hot right now that
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe be tough maybe it might be a tougher sell right now
1: I don't know if it's a change to right now, but I'd I say restaurants are typically tough. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um,
1: but uh yeah, definitely not uh just because it's right now. I think that's just a general statement. I, mm. I I'd say that's probably one you'd hear North America wide for sure.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Um what? So now looking, you know, Can- Can- Canada outward what, uh, what are what what areas of the world are Canadian buyers looking at? You know, like I said, outside of their own borders.
1: Sure. Um, we've had Canadian buyers looking to go into the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. we've had some looking at overseas as well. Um, I would say we probably see it more the flip side, where we see uh, more, say, U.S. private equity firms looking at Canadian companies, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'm not certain exactly what drives that, but I think it may be something to do with the, uh, the dollar that you know they can buy a company here for you know 60% of the prices down there just for exchange rate, but uh, that also converts with their when they take it back. So um, but yeah, we're, we are seeing an uptick in reach outs from um, US private equity firms looking to buy in Canada.
0: So uh, uh, from a Confederation MA perspective, I know you can't speak for anybody else, but you know, with that being said, you know, understanding that, you know, there's more private equity, U.S.-based private equity looking to get into the Canadian market. What are you guys doing from a tactical perspective to make sure that you are, you know, having a, you know, staying top of mind or having a presence, you know, and being on their radar um, for the deals that you're representing the seller for? Yeah,
1: that's a really great question. And we've, We use some more kind of um, databases like Axial for example, to reach um, different target buyers that maybe we wouldn't have on our radar. Uh, We found that to be a great system. We've actually sourced a couple um, good leads through there. Um, And uh, other than that, it's kind of getting our messaging out there and I think even being part of a group like Cornerstone, where we have access to firms um, that are across the nation and you know, we we submit our deals we're working on and we're able to see that people have other deals in certain industries and maybe they have good uh, connections to buyers in other industries. And we try to use that as much as we can to help our clients uh, find the best value for their business and, and the most kind of attention on it. Um, and, and it's been kind of a great thing to to have it in our pockets, you know, to reach I don't know how many we're at now, like 25 firms probably across the U.S. So um, it, it's just a great network to have.
0: Yeah, if you could uh, uh, just quick example of how have you, you know, when you're talking to a potential client or a client, how are you explaining, you know, and leveraging the size of Cornerstone, because especially if they are looking at getting into the U.S., um, obviously you have a lot of partners um, here in the U.S. Um, how are you telling that story to your clients?
1: Yeah, I, I just went through this the other day, actually explaining to somebody that we could reach out through that network. And um, I, I basically just said that we're connected through uh, through a very professional alliance that we're, we're really, you know, uh, that we're part of and and we have over 80 advisors across the you know the world really but uh, primarily in the U.S. where we can reach out and and uh, use their networks as well so it it just grows exponentially when you are able to do that and and kind of the areas they were interested in I did reach out to a couple um, who kind of it was the eastern seaboard that we were looking at so um reached out to a couple in that realm that may have, you know, either know of businesses or keep us in mind as things come up in particular industries they were looking in. And it's it's just been a, a great uh, source for us to have and um you know, not not particularly as as the pitching it to clients, but um in this industry it can be a little bit I'll use the word lonely. I don't know if that's the right word, but um For many years, um, we had looked for something like this where we could kind of piggyback ideas or kind of compare um, challenges, if you will, or or things to see if, oh, geez, how are other firms doing this? And it's just so nice to have a network of uh, firms where you're not really directly competing and you can help each other out um, and, you know, source information. And it's pretty incredible how open everybody is with how they operate their firms and um, how we can learn from one another and it's it's just been such a great source for us and um, you know we we are kind of wondering why we didn't look into something like this sooner and uh, we wishing we had kind of found it sooner because we've learned so much by being part of the group.
0: Keep going, keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you like that, do you?
0: <laughs> um, so back to your example of talking to your client about, you know, tell them about the story of Cornerstone International Alliance. I guess, what was their, what is, what was their response to that? Um, what did they maybe, I mean, obviously, you know, I guess, did it, did it interest, pique their interest? Did it be like, was it like int- intriguing to them? Or how, how did they respond to that?
1: Yeah, I think it's intriguing. I think you know it's funny when we first kind of posted um, on our LinkedIn and stuff that we were going to be part of Cornerstone, which is two or three years ago. Um, I think there was some confusion, maybe that some people thought we were bought out by uh, a, a larger M and A advisory firm, and so it was kind of that education piece uh, because a lot of uh, you know a lot of businesses or organizations have these connectors. Um, if you think of like a construction association or um, yeah. like uh, in the car dealership world, there's dealer networks where they can kind of talk to each other. They don't really compete against one another, but they're in the same world. So um, you're just it's more of an education piece of how we can benefit everybody by being part of this group. And so uh, but in this particular case, I mean, they thought it was great because it gives them access to. Um, you know, a buyer from potentially like Atlantic Canada area that has access now to, um, you know, people that they can trust because we trust them um, mm-hmm. who may bring good deals to the table. So it's, it's, again, it's all that referral and relationship base that is so big in this industry. And um, yeah, I think they were really excited about it.
0: Yeah. You, you use the term lonely. And the, the thing that I've come to, <laughs> to use in, and think about it is, is isolation, um, mm. you know, because, and, and one of the foundations of which this alliance was built on is, you know, that isolation mindset where we can get so hyper focused on our deals, heads down, like just, you know, on our deals. And there's this whole big network of, you know, A professionals out there that have a ton of experience and ton of, you know, expertise and, you know, to try, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel or try to figure out a problem, you know, leverage someone who's already been through it and uh, then you'll be able to avoid you know, making the same mistake. And so I think, you know, for me, just based on what you hear and how I like to say it is, you know, we, we kind of fix that, that, that problem of isolation by connecting you with people, your peers who are doing the same work you are um, and you can kind of leverage and learn from each other. Uh, so that's, uh, I just wanna throw that, that in there, not that that's necessarily part of the, the conversation they were trying to have today, but, um, you know, so I think, you know, you you guys showcasing the Alliance and the opportunities in Canada, um, I think shows that um, there's a lot of collaboration opportunities cross borders. Right. And I think that might be another reason, you know, why, you know, you guys, we have other international members within our group, but from a cross border perspective, um, what are you guys seeing, you know, as maybe, You know challenges or you know that would normally come up but you know maybe helping getting help from your alliance members might you know be able to fix
1: yeah i think it's more so just maybe utilizing each other uh to the best of our abilities to connect our networks and that's tough because our networks are are large everybody's got a significant network and there's you know there's only so much time in the day and everybody's very very busy so i think uh the best thing we can be doing is helping everybody within the alliance close their deals so if if we have uh buyers or sellers in certain industries and we know that so and so also has you know the other side of the deal in in their kind of pipeline then maybe finding a way to make sure we're connecting on that and and i think to some degree we're doing it and there's always ways we can be improving. And that's really what our Alliance is about is, you know, trying to be better all the time and trying to have, uh, you know, be better for our clients and how can we help each other out? Because effectively at, at the end of the day, it's just going to help our clients. So right. um, I, I think, I think we're doing it. And I think there's probably room for improvement on that too. Yeah. And um, I know, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's certain firms you probably become closer with within the alliance if you kind of see similarities and you may, it, it might be easier to pick up the phone and talk to them a little bit more. And um, or, or and it could be just proximity of your uh, geography, where, where your your deals are and that sort of thing. So I, I think we're doing it, but I think there's always room for improvement.
0: Well, like anything else, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it, right? So. Yeah. If you're willing to collaborate and you're taking the initiative to collaborate, you're gonna develop deeper relationships. You're gonna build that rapport and trust with those people. And you're gonna naturally gravitate towards those firms because you have those relationships. You know, we we've, I've heard the saying, it's this, you know, things like this, Cornerstone, other alliances, other groups. Um, you know, we we hold this wholeheartedly as, you know, we're a gym, not a spa, right? Yeah. You know. The more you put into your workout, the you know the stronger, the faster you're going to become. Well, the more you put into leveraging the the size, you know, the, the size, the people, the value proposition of this group, the more you're going to benefit, the more your clients are going to benefit. And I think it's it's amazing, you know, how well that how well that really works. Um, and I've seen it firsthand over the past four years here that um, you know that is that is very true, and that is the foundation of what this group has been built around. Um, and I think uh, I kind of echoing what you're what you're saying there. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, kind of shifting back to the Canadian, you know, market right now, um, you know, are you seeing any trends in deal structure that may be, you know, different or unique compared to, you know, I don't know if we what well, we can consider normal M&A, but maybe pre-COVID or, you know, is anything or maybe it's the economic state right now, high interest rates or any trends you seeing out there that are maybe a little different than have been in previous years?
1: Yeah, um, I think the only one that really comes top to mind, uh, or maybe two, that given what we talked about here on, on interest rates, that we've either seen a lot of proposed earnouts, which we don't love. <laughs> um, I don't know if any advisor loves earnouts. Um, and I don't think any seller really loves their announce, but um, either that or uh, propose a higher percentage value of vendor holds back. Um, just to kind of make up for that difference in the interest rates. And and that also kind of keeps the multiple of the business up. So, uh, you know, if, if a seller is really kind of keen to maintain that higher multiple that they might have seen in the last few years, that buyers are willing to do it, but you might have to wait a little bit longer to get your money. So um, I would say that's probably the, the bigger trend. I wouldn't even say it's in every transaction,
0: but uh,
1: yeah. I'd say we're seeing it more often. Mm-hmm.
0: And how do you, I don't know if convince is the right word, but talk your client through that burnout or you know, other considerations they might have to make in deal structure to get that same multiple that they're hoping for.
1: Yeah, the, the, the biggest thing we find is is we try to lay it out all up front before we go to market. And we try to pinpoint where we think this deal could land, uh, what is financeable on it. Uh, sometimes we'll talk to lenders and, and have them kind of give us um, kind of a mock term sheet, if you will, um, and say, you know, if we were financing at this rate, uh, here's where we think we could get to. And this is what we can lend against this business. So that means that the either the buyer is coming up with the difference, or the difference is made up between a vendor hold or some type of earnout for the future. So we try to talk through those numbers with our sellers up front. And I think the more that you can educate them up front, the better they feel during the process, instead of it being a surprise at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be some give and take throughout a deal. And, uh, but I think the more that you can give your seller up front uh, the heads up on what might be coming their way, the better.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. I think that's great advice in general. The more you can be transparent up front, the less headache, the less surprises, the less fallout you'll have down the road. Um, yeah. So I think That's really, really good advice. Um, but even more so now when, you know, more surprises might pop up just based on, deals are and then are being structured nowadays um and so what is 2024 just to to wrap up um you know what does what is what you guys in particular but maybe from a broad you know you know you know uh, perspective of Canadian M&A what do you think obviously we're not going to hold this to you because no one has a (laughs) crystal ball right like high level what does 2024 look like for for M&A in Canada
1: Yeah, sure. I I think it's going to be busy. And I think it's, we're just kind of hitting uh, the bottom of the mountain for these changes uh, as far as transitions for Canadian businesses. So um, yeah, we, we are seeing a strong start to the year, lots of new business coming through the door or those first exploratory conversations of, you know, I'm thinking about selling my business. What does this process look like? And, you know, our reaction to it is I think we need to add a little bit more bank strength in order to handle some of this. So we're looking to grow our team and, and build out our team uh, a little bit more and, and uh, kind of prepare for what's coming. And um, as far as we see all these changes going in the market. So I, I think it's going to be a busy year and I don't think that's just us. I think we'll see that across the country and, you know, there's two other cornerstone firms across the country. I be shocked if they had different stories. Um, I think they're probably seeing a ramp up as well, and um, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to be an exciting you know decade for M and A in Canada.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So well, you know let's 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 get back together on uh, this day next year in 2025. <laughs> let's see if you you broke 20 deals closed uh, in
1: 2024. Oh boy. That's yeah, we got I mean. some we got I, some work I
0: mean, to do. It's gonna be it's going to be a record year. Yeah.
1: Fingers Let's crossed, right? It. Fingers crossed. That's
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trisha, amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time today. Um, thank you for all your insights. It's always great to, to hear from you and talk with you and hear about your expertise and just learning more about the, the M&A market in Canada. So appreciate your time uh, joining me today. If anyone wants to learn more about Confederation M&A, um, Work with you, you know, or have questions about what we talked about today? Where where can people get a hold of you and, and your and your firm?
1: Sure, uh, you can find us on our website. It's uh, confederationgroup.ca, and um, We also have a, a LinkedIn page um, at Confederation Group, and uh, on our website you'll have all our contact details. So, um, so yeah, happy to chat to uh, anyone who may have some questions about Canadian m and
0: Awesome. Um, yeah. that's all we have for today's, uh, today's episode of the MA mastermind podcast, Trisha, Thank you again uh, for being my guest here today. Um, I learned a lot. I know our audience will learn a lot as well. Um, be sure to check out all of our episodes at cornerstoneia.com slash podcast. Um, hopefully you all have taken a couple of takeaways away from Trisha's and my conversation here. And as always help us both out by liking, sharing, commenting, subscribing, all those fun things that will help get this episode in front of more people. We'd be greatly appreciated if you'd help us out with that until next time. Thank you for listening. I was hitting-